Polaris, or the North Star, marks the northern direction and was used by slaves to reach freedom. To this day, the North Star is a symbol of hope, passion, drive, and purpose. But the question is, where on earth am I? And where is the North Star? To everyone tuning in from all around the world, this is Finding the North Star, a podcast created in hopes of becoming content with my African-American identity. I'm your host, Krista Savage-White, here to educate myself and others. The first part of this series will cover topics involving culture, contemporary issues, and history about Black people in America. Stay tuned to find out today's topic. Today's episode is titled, Is Black History Month Really for Black People? This episode covers the following topics. Brief overview of ever-changing trending causes, the origins of Black History Month and its presence in the UK, Canada, and Berlin, Germany. How non-Black people have been performative during Black History Month. What Black History Month should really be about, plus the dangers of only celebrating first. How it's hard to celebrate Black History Month when white people and institutions fail to take tangible action. Questions to think about. What do you think about trendy causes coming and going on social media? Do you think that the constant change in subject is a good or bad thing? How do you feel about corporations capitalizing off different causes while distributing very little of their power for the greater good? Did you know that Black History Month was not only celebrated in the U.S.? Do you think that the points criticizing Black History Month are valid? Even if you don't agree with every single point given in this episode, think about the question for yourself. How do you think individuals and businesses should go about respecting Black people, not just during Black History Month, but all year long? Even after listening to this episode, I encourage everyone to do further reading by viewing the cited sources of this podcast and other credible sources on this matter via Google or another search engine. If you're on social media, you may have noticed that there is a different cause that's trending every other week. One week, it's BLM. The next week, it's about women's rights. The next week, it's a heinous action in another country, and so on. Not necessarily in that order, but hopefully you get the picture. Simply put, people on social media share things like infographics, resources, and depending on the cause, even their own stories in the name of awareness. While that's not a bad thing per se, the tide eventually switches towards a new topic with minimal change made on the previous subject. This applies to many causes. I think back to when I read a couple of infographics on Instagram about the commercialization of Pride Month, also known as rainbow washing, and the hypocrisy of many companies. Nowadays, many corporations have rainbow logos in June, yet those same companies such as AT&T, American Airlines, and Walmart have donated tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to transphobic and homophobic politicians, such as Moscow Mitch, excuse me, Mitch McConnell, and other Republican senators who have blocked the Equality Act and condoned the passage of anti-LGBTQIA plus laws in state legislatures. Shout out to Representative Pramila Jayapal for speaking up about the performativity of different companies via Twitter. Both the infographics and articles brought up made valid points, and as someone who is a hardcore critic of armchair activism on all fronts, it made me think about Black History Month and how similar self-serving actions occur during that month. 
So this brings up the question, is Black History Month really for Black people? And from that question, I don't mean, oh, Black History Month is not necessary because we need to stop talking about race. Nuh-uh. If we didn't need to talk about race, this podcast wouldn't exist. Rather, I mean this. Is it really about Black people having pride for themselves and treating Black people as human beings? Or is it a way for white people and predominantly white institutions to feel like activists by skewing Black accomplishments in Black history to fit their narrative? Personally, if you were to ask me, I would say yes. And I'll explain why throughout this episode. To build up this argument, let's talk about the origins of commemorating Black history. Before the establishment of Black History Month, there was Negro History Week, which was created by Carter G. Woodson and the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity in 1925, with its enactment in February 1926. In honor of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, the week occurred on the second week of February to coincide with their birthdays. The effects of that over the next few decades would be the appearance of more education of Black history, clubs, school subject materials, and the desire of white people to help with the cause. In 1976, then-President Gerald R. Ford changed the celebration from Negro History Week to Black History Month to seize the opportunity to honor the two often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. I think it's safe to say that the purpose of honoring Black History and Black History Month is well-defined. It is important that Black people gain acknowledgement for living, Hence why some people think that Black History Month is important regardless, and that it's just simply a way to acknowledge Black people in the U.S. But here comes one common criticism. Not including complaints about the need to stop talking about race, because, no, that ain't the answer. One complaint is that it happens during the shortest month of the year. While that is true, there is an honor-wearing meaning to February. Aside from just Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass's birthdays, President's Day also occurred on that very same month, Thus, the political significance of February made it a suitable month to honor Black history, and not to be malicious. Though before I progress, here come some fun facts. Canada and Berlin, Germany also celebrate Black History Month in February, but the UK does so in October. Two reasons that the UK's Black History Month is in October is, one, because its founder, Akiaba Adai Sebo from Ghana, wanted to commemorate Africa and African chiefs and leaders would meet on that month to accept their differences. And two, it is also thought that since October is early in the school year, it would be a way to uplift and acknowledge black children early on. Adai Sebo's inspiration for founding the month came up after his trip to the U.S. in the 1970s, and his dream became a reality in 1987. Germany is notorious for avoiding discussions about race, though since the late 80s, early 90s, Big cities such as Berlin, Hamburg, Frankfurt, and Munich have held annual Black History Month celebrations dedicated to acknowledging the existence of Black Germans, the Black diaspora, and their struggles. Ever heard of Audre Lorde? She described herself as a Black lesbian mother warrior poet and spent time in Berlin conducting poetry workshops, classes, and advocacy work from a Black feminist lens. She mobilized women from marginalized identities, particularly encouraging black German women to be open about their struggles with racism. She also created the term Afro-German in the mid-1980s and worked with other black German feminists such as Maya Yim, Rest Her Soul, and Katharina Oguntoye. To this day, Afro-German activists continue to work with organizations and host events and cultural programs to fight racism in their country. In Canada's Black History Month happened bit by bit. 
Toronto honored the petition of the Ontario Black History Society founders Dr. Daniel G. Hill and Wilson O. Brooks to commemorate Black History Month in February, making it the first place in Canada to do so. It wasn't until December 1995, however, that Canada nationally recognized Black History Month, doing so after the House of Commons unanimously approved Parliament member Dr. Jean Augustine's motion, who is a black woman, to honor Black History Month. Her motion came after hearing OBHS President Rosemary Sadlier's idea to recognize it nationally. Beforehand, Nova Scotia first commemorated Black History Month in 1988, now African Heritage Month as of 1996. And then the rest of the Ontario province followed in 1993 thanks to OVHS's efforts. Donald Oliver's 2008 motion to recognize Black Canadians and Black history during February further solidified Black History Month in Canada. And that's just a bit of Black history about Black History Month. to addressing more concerns. The following criticisms are going to be the meat of my argument on why Black History Month has started to become a way for white people to be performative and appear to care without truly valuing black people. For one, Black History Month gives a very narrow view and is not representative of black history. As I was researching for this episode, I ran into an article from Sorella Magazine titled, Why Don't Celebrate Black History Month Anymore? And the writer, Grace, summed up so many of my thoughts in the core of my argument. I've noticed that white people take that month to skew black history to fit their narrative of what they consider worthy for white consumption. I've seen plenty of performativity from white people and white institutions myself. For example, let's take the first. Every year, we are reminded about the first black person to do blank. Rosa Parks refused to give up her bus seat. Barack Obama was the first black man to be elected president of the United States. Harriet Tubman led slaves to freedom via the Underground Railroad. And yada, yada, yada. Anywho, I use the word history loosely in this case because black history is really just American history in this case and not representative of black history as a whole. In the second episode, I explained colorist imbalances about what is considered attractive to white society, as well as stereotypes in the last episode. Praising someone as the first of this group to do that ignores that despite that accomplishment, not everyone has equal lots of success. May I highlight that back in early 2007, Joe Biden said that then-Senator Barack Obama was the first mainstream African-American who was articulate and bright and clean and a nice-looking guy. While he later apologized for his statement and Obama cut him some slack, it inserted that African-Americans, even the mainstream ones that came before Obama, were not articulate, bright, and clean, a stereotype associated with Black people for centuries. That's a big yikes. And I know that there's this mentality, if this person can do it, anyone can do it despite barriers. As much as we like to think that, factors such as gender, skin color, economic status, and family history influence the odds someone has at succeeding. And that's where intersectionality comes in. Race is among the most prominent factors, but there are many more factors than the ones I just mentioned that work alongside race at influencing one's experiences. For example, a black person or a half-black person may become, let's say, the first black person to win this prestigious science award. That person will always be black, 
but it also ignores the privileges that they might have, such as having grown up in a wealthy neighborhood, having a parent that's a scientist, and having a higher economic status. If you want to learn more about me, I recently won two research awards and constructed proposals for both of them. While I am Black, I have privilege in that I grew up more comfortably than my mother, and she has a doctoral degree. Thus, my mother has always encouraged me to pursue educational opportunities and research. Although my mother has gone through a ton of obstacles throughout her life, she does things for me to make sure that I am challenged academically and that I reach my maximum potential, as her experiences were not like that. So when we praise these first, it also ignores intersectionality and the complexity of the person that achieves some feat. Plus, the firsts are rather demoralizing as it narrows the definition of what success can be and makes the worth of black people contingent on breaking into right institutions and receiving approval from non-black people. For so long, black people couldn't and still can't go outside without the possibility of a white person using racist language and falsely accusing them of something they didn't do. Because of that, why can't black people be honored just for existing? It shouldn't be about earning fame or money. While the person obviously worked hard to accomplish whatever they did, success happens when a person is happy or manages to get out of bed in the morning. Thus, only recognizing black people for groundbreaking accomplishments of a few strips them of their humanity and puts pressure on having to seek approval from others. And really, Black History Month does give institutions, white people, and non-black POC an excuse to be performative. In other words, it means that they make so much lip service, but don't take action to back their words up. I'll elaborate more on that as I go on, but here's a story I'll give about how I witnessed armchair activism in real life. In my residence hall, there was a newsletter that came out every week about happenings around the hall and things dealing with current events. When it was Black History Month, I remember it said at the top of the email, Black history did not begin nor end with slavery in the civil rights movement, and therefore we celebrate the breadth and depth of black history in its entirety. Upon reading that, I was like, okay, but why don't we act like it during Black History Month? Why don't we talk about African history pre-colonialism? Why don't we celebrate lighthearted aspects of African-American culture and the diverse personalities of black Americans? Why is it that European, North African, East Asian, and West Asian histories go in-depth about the people, civilizations, customs, and contributions while African history is not talked about, and Black history is only talked about from 1619 onward? Honestly, I found that statement in the newsletters to be so performative because throughout the month, it was about first, colonialism and racism. Nothing more than that. Nothing about pre-colonial African history or even the lighthearted aspects of African-American culture. And then I also find it funny how white people and institutions want to talk about honoring Black History Month while at the same time not truly respecting black people equally to white people. Non-black people need to respect blackness more. But at the same time, Black History Month should be celebrated by black people for black people. For far too long, Eurocentric perspectives on slavery, colonialism, and first have turned away attention from what black history should be about. The linguistic and ethnic diversity of Africa, its pre-colonial civilizations, the black diaspora throughout the world. The list goes on. Those topics should be covered multidimensionally. The good, the bad, and ugly. Reflect on the past so that we can make the future better. And let's not forget, recognizing the humanity of black people and that they should be respected just for existing not just for breaking into predominantly white spaces and accomplishments. 
I don't see why this can't be done. I'll be happy to help out with that. For me, thinking about Black History Month is hard as companies continue giving lip service while offering no tangible services to help Black people gain more opportunities. Instead, they maintain practices that disrespect their Black employees and make their work environments not so safe for them. Same thing with other institutions, such as education and healthcare. Where's the value in their words when they continue dismissing complaints from Black people and prioritizing white people over them? Because of all the lip service from not just them, but also individual people, it's hard for me to feel any sense of gratitude when anyone makes their so-called solidarity statements and say that Black lives matter. Their words don't match up with their actions. It doesn't help that these old white male conservative politicians are trying to make excuses as to why critical race theory shouldn't be taught in schools, despite them not knowing what it really means. Particularly in Loudoun County, Virginia, there was a protest at the Loudoun Government Center. The local school board members have received hateful and racist messages for supporting the teaching of CRT. And I'm like, what? Let me quote something from former Department of Justice spokesperson Ian Pryor of the Trump administration. He said, quote, you have kids coming home and telling their parents they're afraid to speak up and express their opinion because they're going to get canceled they're going to get shamed, and they're going to get disciplined, unquote. Okay. First of all, it's not that you can't express your opinion. However, you got to be willing to listen to facts and incorporate them to your opinions to make them valid. And second, Pryor also said that Christopher Columbus is being vilified as a murderer and enslaver. Well, he was all those things and more. He was a land thief, a gold digger, and the reason why the indigenous population significantly decreased in a relatively short amount of time. That's not worth honoring. Although I've seen that some Italians want Christopher Columbus Day to continue as a celebration of their heritage, but um, October is Italian-American Heritage and Culture Month, which won't go away just because of Columbus's fall from grace. Happy now? If you didn't know, now you know. And third, the crybaby reactions to the theory are why critical race theory needs to be taught in the first place. Those white people are so individualist that they think they should have first choice over everyone else as to what is taught in their schools. That's white supremacy at its finest. If you feel so confident as white people, why wouldn't you want to talk about the true history of the U.S.? Every country has its flaws, and you could be patriotic while talking about its racist history. Then again, I somewhat understand the reactions to it, because if I were white and presented with the race discussion, I wouldn't want to talk about it either. Let me be honest about that. I wouldn't want to talk about it either. Though the thing is, because CRT is in the forefront of the news right now, and white people are so against it, my mother was curious to learn what it really was about. And when she read the History News Network article titled The History of Systemic Racism That CRT Opponents Prefer to Hide, the stuff that is talked about in critical race theory is hard to hear. It upset me. 
As for my mom, I graduated from high school not that long ago, and not in my 12 years in the public school system have I heard about much of this stuff. Only about the glorification and romanticization of the Puritan Native American relationships, abolitionist movement, and the civil rights movement. Hardly the stuff in between. Not about the colonizers twisting Christianity to fit their narrative, their rules, and justify slavery. Not the double standards between white and black indentured servants. Not that the Second Amendment granted the right to bear arms for slave patrols. Sorry, my gun-loving listeners. None of that. Even the North was glorified in the history books because runaway slaves in that region were returned to their slave owners under the Fugitive Slave Clause, and the Interstate Commerce Clause did not grant slaves that traveled to the North with their slave owners free person status. Although my criticism about black history only being recognized from 1619 onwards still stands. I recommend that everyone read that article because there is a lot of food for thought. It's a lot to hear, but it just shows you how much our history books have been skewed to treat white supremacy as an acceptable thing. Link to that in the description box. There's so much going on. The white conservatives are absolutely oblivious to the concept of white privilege that they show their own white fragility. But white liberals can have so much white guilt that their standing in the social capitalism game is more important than putting in the work to help make the world more equitable, balanced, and respectable for black people. I know some listening to this episode are having uneasy feelings right now. But if black people can survive centuries of being chained, whipped, killed, and verbally abused, I think that white people can endure some harsh words for a little while. In short, the problem I have with Black History Month and the rest of the Heritage Pride Months in general is that it gives people an excuse to be performative. It's like many people think that they can buy something in tribute of the cause and like a few posts on social media about it and call that activism though I highly bet that most of them, particularly on social media, are not thinking about those causes, much less taking any real-life action outside of the supposed month, day, or week. So to me, the support shown through reposting and liking just doesn't seem genuine. Not to say that I have never been performative, but it is offensive to think you're doing your part when people from marginalized groups have risked their social standing and their lives to work towards a less discriminatory society during all parts of the year. Don't get me wrong, I acknowledge that not everyone is able to do certain things, such as volunteer or donate money, but I'll expand more on that in the next episode. As a reminder, today's episode was titled, Is Black History Month Really for Black People? This episode covered the following topics. Brief overview of ever-changing trending causes. The origins of Black History Month and its presence in the UK, Canada, and Berlin, Germany. How non-black people have been performative during Black History Month what Black History Month should really be about, plus the dangers of only celebrating first. How it's hard to celebrate Black History Month when white people and institutions fail to take tangible action. This episode was brought to you by various scholars and valuable insight from 18 sources. To view the list in full, visit the sources section of the episode description box. Thank you to everyone who's listened up to this point. I hope you learned some stuff in this episode and engaged your mind with the content. A disclaimer is that my opinions are not representative of the general public or of every black person. However, the goal is to start a discussion about these issues and encourage everyone to think critically. 
It is important that we self-reflect on our prior knowledge, new knowledge, our biases, and how we benefit or suffer from a particular issue. In turn, that can lead to more consciousness about our actions, our biases, and lead to a more equitable and balanced society. In the meantime, I would like to hear about your takeaways or feedback on this episode. Your takes and additional subject knowledge are always welcome. Get the discussion rolling by writing to Finding the North Star Podcast at gmail.com. Until then, this is Chris the Savage White signing off.